You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, time again for Banner's Spot. Thanks for coming back. Gary Hill with you. We have a fun one today. We are going to talk about one of the more interesting, fascinating, and heartbreaking games in Seattle Mariners history. In fact, we're playing the entire game on Mariners Classics on the flagship coming up tonight. In fact, three games on this Memorial Day today, so a lot of baseball coming your way. A couple of Memorial Day games, one from 2018 that uh, Marco Gonzalez was pitching in, one from 2001, which is a fun listen. And then tonight... Brian Holman's near-perfect game. So coming up on Mariner's Pod today, I'm going to play the entire bottom of the ninth inning. Brian Holman, nearly perfect. One out away, and then Ken Phelps with one swing. There goes the perfect game. There goes the no-hitter. There goes the shutout. And then Brian Holman would get Ricky Henderson after that. So... Coming up on this spot, you're going to hear the entire bottom of the ninth inning. You can hear the entire game coming up on Mariners Classics later tonight. Also, the interview with Brian Holman after the game, which I find fascinating. I mean, he's joking. He's, I, I I don't know. I don't know how to react. Maybe enraged, heartbroken, but I don't know. I found the interview to be pretty amazing. And then in spring training in a game a couple years ago, it was so fun. We had... Ken Phelps and Brian Holman on at the same time. And they talked about that moment. It was a game that the Indians batted around and they scored a million runs and the inning lasted like 30 minutes. So I'm going to play the entire interview. I've taken out a lot of the play by play just because I mean, for all of our benefits, I guess there's no reason to go back and listen to that uh, spring training inning, but uh, I've kept a lot of the interview or the, the interview is in there, the entire thing. I took, it sounds choppy in a couple spots because I took out the play-by-play, but I think you'll enjoy it. It was fun to have them both on at the same time. And good for Brian Holman, who laughs and jokes with Ken Phelps, which I'm not sure I'd be able to do. I guess he's a better person than me, no doubt. So this is a fun one, as we will hand things over to Rick Riz, who was on the call for the bottom of the ninth inning. Well, can he do it? Right-hander Brian Holman going after the no-hitter as we go to the bottom of inning number nine here at the Oakland Coliseum before a sold-out crowd. The Mariners now lead the Athletics by a score of six to nothing. The Mariners with four runs in the top of the ninth inning to give Holman a big, big lead. Six runs, 11 hits on the night for the M's and no errors. And for the A's, no runs, no hits and one error. Here's Felix Jose. Jose will pinch it for third baseman Lance Blankenship. Jose is on the bat for the Oakland Athletics. Felix Jose, a switch hitter, batting 167. No home runs, no runs batted in. Brian Holman. Unbelievable pitch on the way, and it's outside to Jose for ball one. Not only is it a no-hitter so far, he is working on a perfect game. No walks and five strikeouts. Here's the pitch on the way. Fastball, strike, called on the outside corner, and it's one and one. 
He has a no hitter and a perfect game. One, two, three over the last eight innings. The 1 1 pitch on the way. Curveball drops in there for strike two. No balls and two strikes on Jose. No walks and five strikeouts tonight for Brian Holman. No pitcher in the history of the Ems has tossed a no hitter. The pitch, swing and a miss, strike three. He went after the breaking ball, low and inside in the dirt. One away. Brian Holman, strikeout number six, and he is two outs away from making Mariner history tonight down here at the Oakland Coliseum. One away, and here's shortstop Walt Weiss. On deck for the Athletics is Kenny Phelps, the pinch hit from Mike Gallego. The windup and the pitch on the way to Weiss. Breaking ball is up high. Ball one. One and all the count. The last no-hitter in baseball in 1988, two years ago. Tom Brown in of the Reds against the Dodgers on September the 16th of 1988. The pitch inside to Weiss for ball two. Two balls and no strikes the count. Holman has been to a three-ball count about only four times tonight. Here's the pitch on the way. Swing the ground ball right side. Reynolds over. He's got it. The throw in time to get Weiss two down. Two away. Brian Holman is one out away from a perfect game. No hitter against the defending World Series champion Oakland A's. Two down, and here's Kenny Phelps on to pinch hit. Earlier this year, Mark Langston and Mike Witt combined on a one to nothing no hitter against the Mariners down in California at the Big A. Brian Holman is going after the no-hitter, and standing in his way is Kenny Phelps. Here's the pitch on the way. Swing and a well-hit ball to right field. Going back, Henry Cano, and it's gone! Holy smoke! Kenny Phelps with a pinch hit. Home run to right field to break up the no-hitter and the perfect game with one swing of the bat. So close! Brian Holman so close to Mariner history, but Kenny Phelps with a home run to right field, and it's now the Mariners six and the Oakland A's one. For Kenny Phelps, who came into the ball game hitting 214, his first home run of the year, and it spoils the no-hit bid by Brian Holman. Tremendous effort by Brian Holman tonight. A home run to right by Kenny Phelps, and he puts a zinger against his former ball club. It is still a tremendous outing for Brian Holman. Jim LaFever out to talk to Brian, now he's back to the dugout. Here's Ricky Henderson, fastball on the way, and it's high and inside for ball one. Kenny Phelps, the home run to right. Would you believe it? Here's the pitch to Henderson, and it's up high. Ball two. Two balls and no strikes to count. Six to one, Mariners lead. Brian Holman, the windup and the 2 nothing pitch is a fastball strike at the knees on Henderson, and it's 2-1. and one. It is certainly hard to diminish in any way the kind of performance that Brian Holman put together tonight. Here's the pitch swinging a pop up outside at first and out of play. 
And the count is even on Ricky Henderson at two balls and two strikes. But in this game, a baseball so close. You need 27 outs, and that 27th man getting the hit, the home run. So the no-hitter, the perfect game, and the shutout go with one swing of the bat. Pitch on the way. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Ricky Henderson goes down swinging to retire the side. The ball game is over. The Mariners and Brian Holman win it by a score of 6-1. to one. Just a tremendous outing tonight by Brian Holman as he tosses a one-hitter. And for the Seattle Mariners, in their history, that is the third one-hitter in the 14-year history of the Seattle Mariner franchise. Brian Holman surrounded by all his teammates to the backside of the mound. A super performance by the young man out of Kansas and a tremendous outing tonight. Holman defeats the Oakland A's by a score of 6-1. to one. Jim Beattie, a one-hitter. Mike Trujillo, a one-hitter. And tonight... A Friday evening on April the 20th down in Oakland, a one-hitter against the defending World Series champions, and Brian Holman and the Mariners win the ball game, a final score of 6-1. to one. And my friends, this is a ball game we will remember for a long, long time. Kenny Phelps spoils the no-hit bid with a pinch-hit home run to right field, but the Mariners win the ball game, a final score of 6-1. to one. Holy smoke. What a game tonight here at the Oakland Coliseum. And Brian Holman, are you there? Yes, I am. We are live. First of all, congratulations, young man, on a tremendous outing tonight, going eight and two-thirds with the uh, no-hitter. Just a tremendous outing this evening here against the defending World Series champion A's. Well, thank Rick. Am I going to be on your show tomorrow? You uh, betcha. One way or the other. I just wanted to ask that question first. I, I, was just, uh, I was just telling Rick, as you were talking to the folks on ESPN, how you described the home run that Kenny Phelps hit, and maybe even they'll put a gas station in Atlanta, Kansas now for it. <laughs> yeah, they might. I don't know. <laughs> maybe we'll get it on the map. I'm not sure, but it's a neat town, and like I said, the home run. I just tried to to get a, a first pitch strike over the plate, and uh, he hit it, and I guess it's it's better to lose one like that than a broken bat single over somebody's head or something. Oh, so. there's no doubt about it. it. It's amazing when they designed this game how you have to get 27 outs, isn't it? Yeah, well, this, like I said, I went in the last inning, and before I went out there, I just said a prayer and asked the Lord to just, if it was meant to be, it's meant to be, and just give me the strength to go out there and, and, and try to do it. And It wasn't meant to be, so those things happened, but the, the most important thing is that we won the ball game, and I'm hopefully sure this will every, pick us up. Everybody has asked you about having to bat, having to be out on the base pads. Did it have anything to do with the, the stuff you took out there in the bottom half of the ninth? No, I felt like I had as good a stuff in the bottom of the ninth as I had in the first inning. I, um, you know, going up to hit, I wasn't worried about hitting or getting on base or anything. Uh, I was just, all I wanted to do was really uh, just get back out there on the mound and concentrate on what I was doing. And, and uh, fortunately, I mean, I was halfway down first base and stopped when I saw the ball to Gallego, and then it, it uh, bobbled around a little bit, and I was uh, fortunate enough I got on first. Well, we started thinking about the no-no after five. When did you start to think about the possibility of the no-hitter? You know, it, it, you don't really think about it too much. I was sitting there, and I was... About the seventh inning, after I got like two outs in the seventh out there, I started thinking, you know, you haven't given up a hit yet. And I noticed up on the board, but you don't want to jinx yourself. So I just mm -hmm. kept quiet and didn't say anything. And then uh, when I went back out there in the eighth and got him out in the eighth, it, it kind of hit. And, you know, you get did a little jittery and you get excited. And all I wanted to do was get back out there on the mound. And just uh, I came up to batting and I was just couldn't wait to get back on there. And then when I got out there and got two outs, it was uh, it was a real exciting feeling. And I, I just mm -hmm. said, well, here he comes. And I'm going to, you know, throw him a fastball. It's what worked all what? night. 
Did you realize, though, that besides the no-hitter, you had the perfect game? Yeah, I did, did realize that. I knew I hadn't walked anybody, and, and uh, that, that's the key to, to winning, I think, is not walking people. Mm -hmm. and, and I just tried to, I just went out and tried to throw the ball over. I mean, you never think about a perfect game or no-hitter before you go out there. You just go out there, and my main concern was to, to try to beat the Oakland A's and, and to give this team a lift, and, and uh, that's what we did. What did your teammates uh, teach you, uh, uh, treat you? How did they treat you down in the dugout? Oh, I was like I had the plague down there. <laughs> Bad breath or something. They didn't get near me. But, uh, you know, those, that's just the way baseball is, though. I'd have treated a, a pitcher the same way if uh, he'd have been there. I'd have got as far away from him as I could. How many no-hitters, if any, have you thrown in your minor league career, little league, high school, uh, professional baseball in the minor leagues? How many? None. Any? None. None. I, uh, I, I threw a no-hitter in uh, high school ball one time, and that was it. And... Uh, this is a big thrill. I guess, like I said, if you're going to lose it, you might as well just lose the whole thing. So <laughs> better oh. than just a bloop single. Well, I was thrilled. I know everybody else in the Pacific Northwest uh, thrilled. The key to beating this ball club, Brian, everybody knows it, keeping Ricky Henderson off the bases. He goes 0 for 4 tonight. Fly ball to right, pop to short, fly ball to center. You struck him out in the ninth inning. How do you pitch uh, Ricky Henderson? I think the key is is, is to get ahead of him. Um, you know, he, he jumps on... Uh, on the fastballs and you try to get ahead of him and, and work ahead and stay ahead because if he runs you deep in the count then you're in trouble because you have to come in there and Ricky's a good hitter so you just try to get ahead of him and and try to make good pitches to, to get a ground ball he doesn't strike out very much and you try to get a ground ball or a pop fly. Everything working for you tonight looked like he had the outstanding fastball a lot of movement especially the fastballs to uh, Conseco in the first and again to Conseco in the seventh inning. I felt good and strong uh, you know I, I just I just felt good out there tonight it, and it wasn't so much that I had great stuff I had good concentration and I just tried to throw the ball where Val put it didn't shake Val off just threw what he wanted me to throw and I think that was the key well we'll let you sleep on it perhaps we'll chat with you tomorrow <laughs> on our pregame show and then maybe it hasn't sunk in yet what you almost accomplished yeah. what a brilliant brilliant performance well, congratulations I appreciate it thanks okay Brian Holman our guests and guests on Mariner Log receive a gift certificate from Tower Records where this week's Mariner hits of the week are Fleetwood Mac and Robert Plant just $11.99 for the compact disc, $6.99 for the cassette. Ask for the Mariners' hits of the week at Tower. Tower Records open 9 till midnight every day of the year. We'll have more right after this. It is uh, homecoming weekend for a lot of the guys coming back here. We have a chance, alumni weekend, we have a chance to visit with two former Mariner players who were involved in one of the greatest games ever pitched, ever played in Mariners history back in late April of 1990. We have Brian Holman and Kenny Phelps. How you doing, fellas? We're doing great. Man, it's I'll great to have you here. What's it like to be back, buddy? Oh, it's happy. It's Spring training is awesome. I mean, you come to spring training, doesn't matter what's going on, you get butterflies. I mean, I'm driving in here, and I'm getting it's butterflies get going, this yeah. is so This is so amazing. You're a baseball yeah, guy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Great. And I feel like I wish I could here. turn the clock back about 30 <laughs> years and try again. You know, it's a... Uh, That's a good call. Yeah, you know, you, you come out here, and you start feeling like, gosh, you know, I once was able to do this, but, uh, you know, it's been a while. Well, both of you guys did it very well, so let's go ahead and turn back that clock. <laughs> to late April of 1990, one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Had a chance to broadcast Oakland Coliseum, the Mariners against the Oakland A's. Kenny, you played for us, but then you went to Oakland. Brian Holman, you were one of the up and rising stars coming over in that big trade for Mark Langston, along with Randy Johnson and yourself and Gene Harris. And you're pitching the game of your life. 26 up and 26 down. You are one batter away, one out away from a perfect game against the hard-hitting Oakland A's. This club in 1990 was stacked. They went to the World Series that year. They won the World right. Series the year before. And Brian Holman, you're pitching a perfect game with two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning, 
and up steps this Yahoo, Kenny Phelps. The pinch hit for Mike Gallego. I love you, Digger. I really do. <laughs> Not that night. And uh, and Kenny spoils the, the no-hitter, the perfect game, with a pinch hit home run to right field. And then, Brian, you strike out Ricky Henderson in the game. You win it by a score of 6-1 to one before that home run. What was going through your mind inning by inning, Brian, as you're mowing down the Oakland A's and you're one out away from a perfect game? Well, I don't know about inning by inning, but because because warming up for that game, I was terrible. I had nothing. And uh, as I'm warming up, uh, you know, Keith Comstock uh, laughs about how I had I had nothing warming up, and they were taking bets in the bullpen on how long I was going to last and who the first reliever was in the game. <laughs> they all lost. They all lost. Obviously. <laughs> so when I went in and started pitching, I I had no clue uh, what I was doing. I was just pitching, getting outs. You know, this is the Oakland A's. I had pitched against them the start before and had really good stuff and ended up losing. McGuire hit a two-run home run off me in like the eighth inning, and I lost three to one and then I had to pitch against him again in Oakland and um, I didn't really realize what had happened until the seventh inning and I struck struck out Jose in the seventh inning and came running off the field and when I got down into the dugout everybody got away from me nobody look at me nobody talked to me yeah they were they were just like fleeing yeah. I mean, Griff, Griff wouldn't even get me a drink of water or a towel. He, was just, oh, he didn't want to get close to you. He didn't want to get close to me. That's and then I, and then I looked up. Yeah, I looked up at the scoreboard, and then I saw all the zeros across the scoreboard. And that's the first time Are I realized I had a no-hitter. And then I realized I didn't. Uh, there was no nobody reached for a space, so I got a perfect game. So now I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I wasn't nervous at all until I'm thinking about this. And then, I was uh, nervous. You know, Poor and you. then uh, and I'm starting thinking seventh, eighth inning, and all that stuff. You know, it's getting kind of crazy. And uh, but it was what a what a fun time. And uh, and then of course Digger gets up and ruins it all. So, so. exactly, it was the first time I yeah. almost said a bad word on the radio. <laughs> hey, you and, yeah, you and Dave Niehaus, I'm sure, weren't saying many oh, things uh, on the positive okay. side after that for now, me, I know. Now, he's pitching the perfect game. Mm-hmm. I, I have goosebumps, folks. I really do. I mean, check that out, Brian. <laughs> I have goosebumps thinking about this. You're in the dugout, and Tony LaRusso wants you to pinch hit for Mike Iago. Mm-hmm. Now, what's going through your mind, Digger? Well, first, I, I got to, you know, back up what Brian was saying. You know, he talks about he was, you know, he was uh, – dealing there was no doubt about it i got on guys in the other dugout didn't want any part of him you know so they were they were rushing for the exits as well trying to hide from this guy who's dealing so i was watching this game develop and i'm going well we're obviously not going to win it but he's perfect so it's going to be i'm sure i'm going to probably pinch hit for somebody at the end of the ball game so i was getting a boatload of swings off the tee like you knew i used to do all the time so i had probably 100 swings before it was my time to hit but i said you know what I got to go up there and hit the first pitch I see that's straight because uh, there's no way I can go up there and try to work the count like I normally well, you did. You said it was a cool night and you weren't going to stick around, right? <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> well, you know, that the first pitch was a fastball. It was a bit up. You know, normally I don't catch that pitch. I usually hit anything you throw down. Or I was pretty good hitting the ball low, but that night it just wasn't meant to be. So, uh we're still talking about it. It was a night in which Brian was perfect because obviously Ricky Henderson had to hit after I took him deep, but uh, I hit the first pitch out. Um, Ricky went down in about three or four pitches, and that was a ball game. But uh, you know, those were those were uh, great memories. There's no doubt about it. It was um, you know great to be a part of that ball game. Um, you know, I uh, Tony Larusa told me after I hit the home run, and I came around and touched home and walked into the dugout. He says. Uh, you can be late to the ballpark for a month. <laughs> <laughs> I told Tony, I said, I don't know if I better do that. You might forget about me, you know. So anyway, uh, that was uh, 
that was uh, the way that night went. But then I bumped into you in the hallway after the ball game in the uh, That's right out coming story. off the elevator. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. we waited, Brian, for you forever because I think the game was on ESPN. I think they had you, TV had you, and then you finally came on. And by the way, thank you very much. You were on our postgame show on radio. So I did the postgame show, the interview and the postgame show, and I get in the elevator, go down to the elevator, and the elevator doors open up, and who's standing right in front of me? Kenny Phelps. And I said, you, are you what are you doing? He says, Rizzo is cold, and I'm swinging at the first yeah. pitch. You know, it's funny, though. It, it, it doesn't happen in any other sport but baseball. Mm, Things yeah. like that, it's just a magical, magical thing. We yeah. tell kids all the time that, like seeing Digger when it, as soon as the, the elevator's open and stuff. It's just a different sport. It just things, weird things like happen. That happened, yeah. And, um, you know, when, when we did the scouting reports on the A's hitters, you know, that was always always the same. You had McGuire and, and Canseco and and, uh, and Ricky and Dave Henderson, and they would hit home runs and get their arms. Oh, and so we tried to get them inside. And, and the, the scouting reporter was like, Digger, he never swings the first pitch. Right. So Val <laughs> calls him. So I go, here it is. Boom. I'm going to get him a strike and then throw two breaking balls, and I'm going to get out of there. And uh, he just yeah. he crushed it. It was it was exactly what he should have done. And uh, I said, you got to be kidding me, right? <laughs> How many other times did you swing in a first pitch and hit a uh, home run? I, I can't remember because I was, you know, one of those guys that used to like to see uh, a few pitches. But in a pinch hitting role, I, you know, usually I'm, af I'm getting after the first pitch if I saw something that I liked, you know. But if I knew I had three or four at-bats to work with, I would probably see more pitches. But. We're, we're going to get caught up right here visiting with Brian Holman and Kenny Phelps. Brian, uh, what do you remember about the trade? Coming over from the Montreal Expos, I think you were – to me, the most polished of all three, Randy Johnson wasn't Randy Johnson yet. He was going to be a future Hall of Famer, ground ball following the third base side. But what did you think about the trade for Mark Langston in uh, 1989? Well, you know, in spring training, we all made the big league club out of spring training, myself and Randy and Gene Harris, and we got off to uh, kind of a rocky start. I, w I was in the bullpen, and Gene Harris was in the bullpen, and Randy started uh, the season and got was struggled. He was getting hit and walking guys, and he and Gene were struggling. And the next thing you know, they got sent to AAA. And I was a guy in the big leagues and, and started getting some spot starts. And, um, uh, you know, we had Pasquale Perez and Dennis Martinez and Brent Smith and Neil Heaton. And, you know, I can go on about that, the pitching right. staff that they had. So um, eventually I started getting some starts, and I, and I pitched a game in San Francisco against the Giants. And Will Clark hit a two-run home run off me in the eighth inning, and I lost the game 4-2. to two. And there was a lot of rumblings going on that the Mariners um, or that the Expos, they needed a frontline pitcher and that there might possibly be a trade. But I, I, I said, there's, there's no way they're going to trade me. And, in fact, that night before, I called my wife, and she goes, you know, they're going to trade you. Because there's no way they're going to trade me, you know. <laughs> Not me. So you know, they got happen. John Dobson and me, and they got this young pitching staff coming up. And so we played a game in Candlestick, and uh, – that, that day, a Sunday day game, we got to play and flew to San Diego. And as I got into the lobby of the hotel room in San Diego, Dave Dombrowski's sitting there, and he goes, hey, I need to talk to you about something. And, wow. and I go and sit and down, and he says, uh, and I've known Dave a long time, and uh, every May 25th I send him a text and say, you know what today is? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, yeah, it's the worst trade me. I ever made, you know. <laughs> Uh, but I got in the, to, the ho to the hotel lobby, and he pulls me over. He says, hey, I just want you to know we made a trade. So, so yeah, so, so I get there, and Dave says, hey, we made a trade, and you're involved. And, I, and he said, we traded you for Mark Langston. And I said, well, look, I'm not an idiot. You didn't just trade me straight up for Mark Langston. And he said, well, we traded Mark Langston and uh, 
uh, Gene Harris and Randy Johnson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think at one point I kind of said, you know, that's not a good trade that for the Expos. And uh, But for us, it was a great trade because we were really young. Uh, we walked into the Mariner locker room. Jim Lefevre put a ball in Randy in my hand. He goes, I don't care if you get your brains beat in every fifth day, you're going to pitch every fifth day. That man Here's the ball. Good. And, uh, and we did. And, and I wasn't in a Mariner uniform 24 hours. I got a loss, and we got in a bench-clearing brawl with the Brewers. Brewers. And I'm like, welcome to the American League. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> that was a nasty one, too. <laughs> yeah. Kenny, uh, you came up with the Kansas City Royals. Mm, right. Montreal Expos. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did, tell us about how you became a Mariner. What, in 83, was it? Uh, yes, 83. Actually, uh, you know, I couldn't hold a job, Rick, as you well know. <laughs> so I was getting a boatload of trades come my way. I have a boatload of hats to show for it at home. But I... Um, you know, I was in a Royal for five years, and then I got traded to Montreal for one, and yeah. uh, and I uh, played in AAA all year that year and got a call up in September. Then I got the opportunity after a big year in in uh, Wichita in AAA in 1982 to uh, get to the big leagues with Seattle. And Dan O'Brien was responding, I guess, was behind that trade, and I came over to Seattle. Um, from Montreal and uh, started the season in the big leagues. It was right before the end of spring yeah. training, if you remember. And Clint Hurdle, Clint uh, the Hurdle. manager of the Pirates, had a was, great spring. He was, you know, in latches here, and of course he was ready to take Clint North. And I think Dan right. O'Brien vetoed it, and they took me. So um, I was on the roster, and um, you know, it's funny because Clint and I are still great friends, and we were roommates in, in with the Royals. So it was oh, wow. interesting how that played out, but. Uh, you know, uh, just baseball is just really interesting how things happen to work out. And, uh, it, you know, it worked out for me in, in uh, Seattle. It was a good place to be at the time because I wasn't going to really go anywhere. I was stuck behind Al Oliver in Montreal who led yeah. the league in hitting. And right. no DH back in, in, you know, obviously in the National League. So it worked out well that I could go play in Seattle, and I'm glad I did. Visiting with Kenny Phelps and Brian Holman the whole fourth <laughs> inning here. We got the both of them talking about that near-perfect game. But... We just talked with Floyd Bannister. He grew up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So did you. You went to Ingram High School. What right. was that like for you, Kenny, to come back, swinging a foul back by Joyce, count is even on Joyce at 2-2 two and two with the bases loaded, well, to come yeah. back and play for the Mariners in your hometown? I know. And, you know, Floyd and I were roommates in college, so it was, uh, you know, it was uh, interesting times. He's a year younger than I am, but, uh, uh, you know, he came to ASU, and we, that's where we ended up both playing. I went to Mesa Community College for a year and then ASU. I, you know, I had to get my undergraduate degree from Mesa before I could go to ASU. So, But Floyd was uh, Floyd and I were, uh, you know, uh, roommates, and uh, it, was, uh, it was interesting, you know, that he and I both got to play for Seattle, growing up in Seattle. We played summer ball together years ago in Seattle and played for a, a coach named Frank Papsadero who has a – a field over there uh, named after him up in the northwest, and he's a legendary coach, and he had a lot of influence down here. He had a winter home down here, so both Floyd and I ended up going to ASU. as a, You know, he helped plant the seed to get us down here. Digger, it's funny. Baseline. Tony Papsadero, uh-huh. Frank's son, right. is a good friend of mine. In fact, was a coach. I helped him coach my son, David. When David was first uh, starting to play baseball when he was younger over in Seattle. So a it's a small, baseball is a small world. There's a lot yeah. of guys that, that have a lot in common than that. Mm-hmm. Really is. Tell the folks uh, what you guys been up to, Brian. So I live in Texas now, and I, I work for uh, an academy called uh, Texas Edge Baseball, and we develop kids from age 18 to 13. And um, so do tons of pitching lessons and coach and run all the pitching programs and run teams. And so it's wow. baseball nonstop all the time. And then I speak all over the country and do motivational speaking. And 
So you're still involved in the so game base, baseball. Yeah, so baseball is, is what I do. I love teaching and, and developing young kids, and uh, I coach a, a 14U team, and, and so I work with kids, like I said, from 8 years old all the way to the professional major league level. Got any winter. kids uh, D1? That's Got it. a lot of kids that will be D1 players, absolutely. And um, But as I tell them, I said every kid develops differently. They're all, you know, some are the bloom late, some bloom yeah. early. Sure. Uh, I just try to teach them to throw strikes and compete and have fun Good. playing the game. And, uh, you know, the odds of them getting the big leagues are so small that they just need to have fun and enjoy themselves. But if you get some kid that's special, uh, they got to work at it and they got to put the time in. Visiting with Kenny Phelps and Brian Holman, so much a part of Mariners history. Early days of the franchise in the late 1980s for Brian Holman and early 1990s and the early to mid 80s for uh, Kenny Phelps and that remarkable game in late April of 1990. We we're talking about the near perfect game by Brian Holman. And Brian, you probably know that there's only 23 perfect games in the history of, of the game of baseball. Thanks I for mean, telling me that. I, mean, I appreciate you. that. Very much. <laughs> <laughs> but in my mind, it was one of the greatest games I've ever seen pitch in this in this organization. Well, thank you. I was blessed to be able to go out and uh, the fun thing about getting to play against the the A's that they were they were a good team. Obviously, they won the World oh. Series and they had you know the Bash Brothers and all that. So every time we played against the A's, it was it was great. It was a challenge. We'd yeah. take the ball and go out, and they didn't have a single hole in their lineup, and that oh. made it even more more fun for us as pitchers and we were just young we didn't know we just give us the ball let's go out and pitch and yeah. you know we had randy and eric hansen and it was a great time to go out and pitch against the a's we uh i still hate the a's but <laughs> but you're like this guy now yeah. oh, of course yeah. i love kidding yeah. 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 i'll tell you what that would have been a great ballpark to pitch in as big as it is in the foul territory it still is a big ballpark i, yeah. I gotta think pitchers always have a bit of an advantage in that ballpark no matter what the offense looks like because of the ball just the dimensions of cool air and all the foul territory. That's always uh, been a good pitcher's ballpark. But uh, you asked me, uh, Rick, what I was up to these yes. days. And, yeah, I, I still do uh, much like Brian. I do I do clinics and things like that for young kids and uh, also older adults, believe it or not. We, uh, we do some softball camps and clinics for Sun City folks and Pebble Creek and out this way on this side of the valley. I bring some extra. Old uh, major league alumni guys, Johnny Moses has been there, yeah. helped before, and uh, we keep him keep him going. And uh, but anyway, that's through the power company here in Arizona, APS, and um, they've uh, I've been a community outreach consultant for them for 20 years now. So that's how I stay uh, stay active and busy. But I get to do a little bit of baseball, which is fun. And you wound up in the broadcast booth with the Arizona Diamondbacks and Brian Holman sometimes. There's stays like this. Some days you have days. I had many. (laughs) (laughs) Had many days. One of my favorite stories was I was pitching in in a game and I was just getting hammered and something. It was the Orioles or something and things just weren't good. And I, I, I'm warming up or I'm, I'm throwing and Ripken hits a ball right by my head and it like ends up being a double in the gap or something. And Lefevre comes walking out and uh, he says, "Hey." It's not your day, man. He said, you look kind of tired. And I said, I'm not tired. Get back in the dugout. And he goes, well, you may not be tired, but look at Griffey and Buner. They can't run anymore. <laughs> They're both bent over in the outfield, exhausted. <laughs> you know, you got to laugh at stuff like that. You know? you? Well, probably oh, no, not at the moment. That was pure brilliance right there. <laughs> Those guys are exhausted. Exa- one of the great things, though, playing uh, against other teams is after you get out of the game and you get to meet guys that you yeah. played against. And one of my favorites was Dave Henderson. You know, playing against oh, Dave. Love Henderson. 
I love Dave Henderson. And uh, playing against Dave, he, he had so much fun. And you Always loved him, smiling. but you hated him because he was so goofy and aloof. But yet he yeah. was so competitive. And then, of course, doing the Seattle Mariner Fantasy Camp for all these years oh. and him involved was just, you know, it was it was precious. And losing him, oh. you know, was, was very hard. But the, to get to meet people like him in the game and, yeah. and uh, guys like Digger and there's just great people that you don't realize – until after you get out, that that they were they were they weren't teammates, but they were opponents. Yeah. But we're all the same guys. Very you know, close friends. We love the we love the game and love to compete. I lost a dear friend three years ago when Hendu passed away. We started our Toys for Kids charity together. But how much fun were the fantasy camps oh, for David? You know, because so fun. He ran those things like he played the game of baseball. He says Rizzo. He says I got a I got a baseball uniform on. What's the feel bad about? You know, in the World mm-hmm. Series in 1990. The, the fans are cheering for him. He calls time out, and he looks up in the crowd. He goes, hey, they're, they're cheering for Hindu, you know? This is during the ball game, you know? Yeah. And Hindu's so great, you know, because the fantasy camp, the baseball's so bad. These guys are so horrible, but they're, they're great. They're they love blast. And they're having a blast. And Hindu would remind them all the time, you know, yeah. hey, you know, it's not your fault you're not better. You should have been born with more talent, you know? <laughs> Hindu was rip- very honest. He was very honest. You know, he he yeah. wasn't humble at all, but he was just the best at teasing guys like that. So I loved, lo- we all loved him and missed oh, him dearly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Digger? I was going to say, are you guys uh, brushing up on your Japanese? You're getting ready to head over to Tokyo here real soon. That's, uh, that, uh, that's coming. Arigato. And <laughs> I, th- I think that's, thank Arigato. you, Ohio. Oh, is, Ohio. Oh, oh, is that hello, hello, yeah, Ohio. That's Dubai right. Or something. That's not Cleveland. So, it's Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're, we're going to have a blast. We're going to yeah. be leaving here in the next uh, few days, just four days away. We leave on the 14th and head to... Uh, Tokyo, here's a swing and a foul back by Carlos Santana. So a lot of cuts uh, coming up. And this is an interesting time for a lot of young players. What was it like for you, Brian and Kenny, when you made your first Major League camp? How would you get the word? Well, the first, I made the, it was kind of crazy. I made the team, and uh, Buck Rogers calls me in the office and said, congratulations, uh, you're the fifth starter. And I said, I hadn't given up a run all spring. I was, I was a little bit cocky when I was a younger kid, right? So he says, you, you made the team. And says you're the fifth starter, and Randy's the four star. So, well, why is Randy the four starter, and I'm the fifth star? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, but Whoa. congratulations, I'm going the in the rotation. I'm excited. About 20 minutes later, he calls me back in. He said, "Well, I got some uh, unfortunate news. It's fortunate Pasquale Perez just got reinstated by baseball because he was in a, the drug rehab program, and baseball oh, yeah. just reinstated him. So he's going to go in the starting rotation. You got to go in the bullpen." And that was that was how I found I was going to make the team. But it was in the same day, and within ten minutes, I was from the starter Starter, to the bullpen. And uh, uh, I think I didn't pitch for the first ten days out of the bullpen, and I was losing my mind. And and uh, but it worked out. You know, I ended up getting traded later on, and and uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, with the Mariners, and so it was fun stuff. But we were happy to get you in Seattle, buddy. Believe me, you did a great job. Kenny, how about you? How did you get to Well, that my story was a little different. Look? I was with the Royals in 81, and in uh, 1980 they lost the Phillies in the World Series. So I happened to pinch hit a three-run home run against the Phillies in Fort Myers, Florida, and that really set a good mark for me yeah. to help me make the club. I didn't have really anything more to prove in AAA. So we were getting ready to make a trip across Alligator Alley over to Miami, and they uh, they said if you make this trip, you got a good chance of making the team. That's so I was I was on that bus, and so was Onyx Concepcion, who was a middle infielder. And uh, long story short, they pulled Onyx off the bus, and they took his bags with him. I made the club. 
That was how I made the Royals in 81. Santana with a swing and a miss. Cabanero strikes him out, and that will retire the side. Guys, we're going to let you go back to your burgers, <laughs> your barbecue. We're going to keep you for a whole inning. We kept you for about, for about two four. innings. Yeah, we got a lot done. It was a long top of the fourth, unfortunately, for Mariner fans. But Kenny Phelps, great to see you. Brian no, Holman, great to guys. see you. Thanks Thank you, Rizzer. Enjoy the rest of the day. We go to the bottom of the fourth. Our score, the Indians 8 and the Mariners 2.